Hello and welcome to the Fanatics Miami Dolphins podcast hosted by me, the legendary Savak. I almost said seriously Savak, which I guess also works if you're on Twitter or YouTube, whatever. But I am also joined by my co-host, the infallible handsome Jimmy. How you doing today, Jimmy? Yeah, what's up, man? I'm a, I almost said ugly Jimmy, which also... <laughs> would have worked i wish that was my twitter hand i actually i'm trying to get handsome jimmy now as the twitter handle but no i think somebody else already had yeah it's out there it's hot it's a hot really? handle yeah Damn. man i don't know if i can kick it to like a vote like who's actually the most handsome of the jimmies <laughs> that use it but it's um a, it's a slick name I, I i gotta say i like it i i, I was a little uh, on it at first but i'm digging it now but uh yeah i'm doing good man glad to be here christmas eve man putting in the hours still though getting that info out you know right and us Special happy holidays to all of our fanatics out there. We, we know you guys are out there doing your holiday shit. I don't know. You're sitting down to dinner. You're enjoying family time. That's generally what people do around the holidays, right? Usually. And mm-hmm. with like, what, there's like five days of football coming up now and some college. So, yeah. you know, I don't expect a ton of people to be like, hang on, let me take an hour to listen to the fanatics podcast <laughs> on top of watching a bunch of football over a holiday. So. Right. Don't get in any trouble out there, man. Pick and choose your spots on the battles, you know? That's exactly right. But if you are in the car and you're enjoying us, thanks, man. Thanks for being here. We appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And for our YouTube audience, for anybody who actually is tuning in to watch this or is not just using this as background noise, you might notice this badass cup I got. So I can tell you where to get it, but I don't know how to pronounce the name. So I'm going to go ahead and put the link to the Etsy store in the description down there. And it'll be in the show notes for you podcast listeners. If you don't know what the hell I'm talking about, it is a custom tumbler. It's got our Miami Dolphins logo on it and my logo. Oh yes, it is fantastic. And you too can get one. I don't know if you can get this one, but you can get one. (laughs) <laughs> that thing's sweet dude i didn't even know we're we're broadcasting to youtube live right now uh, no 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 but we will oh, be okay on, yeah. okay oh it gets posted it gets That's posted right. okay you're i thought you were talking like hey there's some okay i wouldn't got you i got some you. shit oh man don't worry bro it's, pos- hey, it's, I it's possible like i wouldn't it's, well this is still getting up there man i'm looking a little it's cold up here right now, bro. It is cold. Bro, it feels like springtime down here. I yeah, am back I know. in southwest I Florida. I, so we left Jacksonville, and it came down. It was actually a little bit colder down here, but now it's warmed up again. So it feels like springtime. It is beautiful, gorgeous outside. As soon as we're done here, I'm going back outside. Go soak up some mm-hmm. sun. It's great. Cool. Anyways, cool, we should man. get on yeah, top. Yeah, cool. Anyways, <laughs> stuck up here in Western New York, bro. Actually, it was like 50 today, but whatever. That's, that's still uh, really nice. Yeah. And then you, you go like five months without seeing the sun. So, <laughs> um, yeah. But hey, hanging in there, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, do, do you not like northern weather? I know, man. I was just born up here. And then what made it, made it worse was joining the military i mean my first duty station was germany i was there two years um my contract was two years i seven of the months of the Mm -hmm. two years i did in iraq but um i loved germany for a bunch of different reasons one of them wasn't the weather but then i got oh great yes that that was beautiful um and then i got stationed in vegas bro and my basic training was in texas and like all this warm weather all like i realized if the sun's shining there's just a 90% chance I'm going to be in a good mood. Like no matter what happens up here, it's like a 90% chance I'm going to be miserable no matter what happens. So I, the sun, the sunshine affects me, man. You know, I know it does a lot of humans, but it took me a while to realize it. So yeah, I, 
I love it up here. My family's up here, but man, this, this weather and these bills fans right now are yeah. just brutal to be around. Yeah, I bet. See, that is exactly why I am a son of the sunshine state, but I love that you bring up the bills because it does take us there. They won the, the division. So congratulations to them. Bills mafia way to go. Go absolutely go slam your friends or your wife or your baby through a table <laughs> uh, <laughs> and have a beer on me. Um, it does remind me, though, because I was I wanted to bring this up. Let's talk about this game, man. Miami came away from that uh, bout against New England down there in South Beach with a win at 12 to 22 going Miami's way. That was fantastic, but it reminded me of something. Uh, for the last few years now, it's kind of become a bit more consistent. Miami's really been playing spoiler to New England, you know, and it's been getting progressively worse for New England. So, like, for example, we start with the Miami Miracle. Let's start there and move forward. Miami Miracle, this last-ditch effort, we somehow managed to win the game in the last waning seconds in the most unlikely of ways. And then next year, we beat the Patriots down there. We uh, take away their home field advantage, which people will argue one way or another, but it likely contributed to them not making the Super Bowl. And now, this year, with that win, the Patriots are eliminated from postseason contention for the first time since 2008 and ending the longest streak in NFL history of consecutive seasons with a playoff berth. And what, what's going to happen next year? You know, are we going to sweep them next year or something? Or what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's possible. Who knows where they go? Who knows what that team looks like next year? I, I don't think you can sit here with any confidence and be like, they're definitely, I mean, Newman was just a one-year deal, right? So two, two year, maybe. Oh, was it? Okay. All right. Um, so but, then I'm wrong on that. I, but it doesn't matter. Chances are I mean, he's, he might be gone. After that's that. what I'm saying. Maybe there was a way they could get out kind of scot-free after the one I thought I saw they didn't, whatever. Anyways, there's no way you can sit here and be like, yeah, Cam Newton's definitely going to be the quarterback of this team next year. Like he's, he's just not getting it done for that team. So what are they going to do? They don't draft well. Um, I mean, they got Brady in the seventh, so I don't want to hear about, oh, they, you know, they, they, whatever that doesn't happen in the NFL. The seventh round pick doesn't win 40 Super Bowls and marry supermodels, you know, that just doesn't go. So whatever, that's a thing you got to write off as it was a fluke. Um, they draft position and skill or skill players horribly. So who knows what you're going to see out of this team. And yeah, why? At this point, Miami would be the favorite to definitely sweep them next year. Buffalo is going to come in as the favorite for the division, no matter what happens. Buffalo can lose in the first round. They're going to be the favorite for the division next year. It, well, just New England has so many holes. But yeah. what gave me pause right there is I've been reading a lot about possibly New England going after Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's real but I've seen a lot of it. I think the majority of it is just like wishful thinking like, Oh, he'd be a great fit here. Mm-hmm. That could, that could change something, but they have a lot to fill though. Like here's my issue with that. I, do, I don't think Matthew Stafford, I love Matthew Stafford. Let me just start there. Uh, I love everything that he brings to the table. He has been an iron man. He has been a tough son of a bitch, you know, and he's got one of the strongest arms we've ever seen. Oh yeah. But I don't think he'd be a good fit for their offense. Not if Josh no. McDaniels is sticking around now. Nah. Because, you know, they like to do that quick, uh, that short, quick game and stuff. They like, they favor accuracy. They love checkdowns. Tom Brady was the best at that. True. You know who would be a great fit for that sort of offense? Jacob, bring in Jacoby Brissett back. <laughs> that? Yes, and? Alex Smith. Alex yeah. Smith would yeah. be ideal for them. 
Yeah. I mean, and if he came and he played well, would he not be idolized by the new England fan base for what he came back from? Like those dudes, yeah. those fans up there just love some grit. Yeah. Like that, do. that city, that territory, that area, whatever region they call it nowadays that <laughs> I don't know what new new England's like three States clumped together or whatever. I always thought new England was a state until I was like 28. Yeah. Bro. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't even know what it is. It's like Massachusetts and Maine and New Hampshire or something. There's a bunch of states up there. I have no idea what's going on. They shouldn't even be called New England anymore. I thought we broke ties with England. <laughs> but um yeah, Alex Bob, wow, that's yeah, I right. think that would be pretty solid. Though the Stafford thing though was and not to get too far into Patriots history, that's not what we're here about. We'll get into the the post game in a second. But mm-hmm. was McDaniels the coordinator when they had Moss and went 16 and 0 and lost to the Giants. I, I we'd probably have to look it up. I don't know if you know the top of your head. No, we would but definitely have to look that up. They they changed that offense looks totally different than you know what I mean. All of a sudden, you got I think they always did that kind of stuff out of necessity, right? They yeah. had Wes Welker, they had Julian Edelman, they had Dion Branch. Like they didn't have anybody, you know, Brady could go over the top, but once they got a dude, a receiver that could do it, that's what they did, you yeah. know. So I could see them kind of molding the offense around what suits Stafford better. Absolutely. Um, but you're right. Alex Smith would be a great fit, but that's a, that's a completely different team. Then that probably fits better because that's a team that's probably going to want to run the ball a bit and play defense, which mm-hmm. they are built to do. Um, so yeah, I think Smith would probably be a great fit, but. And of course, like you said, their inability to draft uh, skilled position players, particularly well, that's going to hamper them. They just, for whatever reason, they cannot seem to draft wide receivers. No. You know, they, they did something kind of unprecedented uh, the was it last year or the year before, and they took a wide receiver in the first round. Like, yeah, it was Harry, right? Nikhil, Nikhil Harry, right? That's right. I think he was and out of Arizona state. I, I know. Yeah. Yep. And they passed on, uh, they passed on like DK Metcalf and yep. they, yeah, they did a bunch of, a bunch, cause Metcalf went second round, I think, but yeah. they, they passed on like a ton of guys that have blown up it. Cause I listen to Bill Simmons a lot. He's a Patriots fan mm-hmm. and he'll tell you literally every, they've, they've never taken a skill player that high. So of course they've passed on a million of them. They've passed on Metcalf, Lockett. Uh, they've passed on billions of, of wide receivers and yeah. I, they just don't prioritize that, you know, and it's probably to what you say. They want to run the ball, play D they, but man, the league's different now. Right. Yeah. Like, and I'll spin this back into Miami because now they're becoming a team at least last week that can run the ball and play defense. Yep. Um, so, you know, new England doesn't really prioritize that, you know, over the top needs to be double covered kind of guy, I guess. Right. I don't know. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's just not, not the kind of game that they've played by the way, per your question, I do think uh, if you can, do you remember the exact year that they went uh, on that run? Yeah, that was 2007. I believe then was yes. the, Josh he McDaniel, was the coordinator. Yep. He was the OC and quarterbacks coach. And uh, that matter of fact, it must've been at that job that he did there that landed him his, the head coaching job at Denver. That's right. Was it? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it was either, it was the, it was the two set Oh seven season and the super bowl was in Oh eight, I think. Yeah. Um, but and yeah, that's, that's exactly right. You know, and they, what he has shown a great ability to do is to adapt to the players that they have, which is great because Belichick has not given him a lot to work with. No, though. So I do credit him as a damn good offensive coordinator. 
Uh, I don't know about him as a head coach, though. Not not a great head coach, I don't think, no. But I do love what you touched on there. We were talking about the running game. As Miami managed to get it done on the ground, running the show, check this out, man. So, so Salvan, Ahmed, and Matt Breida became the first Miami teammates to each have seven at least 75 rushing yards in the same game since 2010. That was week 12. Are we My, doing your trivia now? I am. My question to you, sir, can you name those the last pair to do it? What what year was it? 2010? Yep. yep. Was it uh Ronnie Brown in is one of them? Mm-hmm. And uh oh man, I keep wanting to say Darren McFadden because they played <laughs> together in college, but I know Darren McFadden wasn't a dolphin. Right. I'm not looking it up. I saw I didn't I didn't look down to look it up or anything. I got the, <laughs> the dolphins post game stuff pulled up. I I don't want to waste our time. It, it was uh, Ronnie Brown, and and I, I don't remember who's the oh, other Oh, come on, bro. You know him. Everybody knows Oh, I, I know I'm going to know him. Uh, Ricky Williams. There we go. Oh, we got oh, it. Yes. Really? <laughs> oh, all right. Yes, sir. Ronnie Brown and Ricky Williams was the last tandem to do it for Miami. That was week 12, 2010. I thought that was interesting. No, that is cool, man, because that was a great time for the Dolphins run game. They were Ronnie Brown running Wildcat. They I mean, they could run on anybody back then, man. So, yeah, that's a good combo to beat. Right. And they were absolutely eating them alive on the ground. You yeah. Know, Ahmed himself had 23 attempts. So they were they were giving him the bell cow treatment and he picked up 123 yards and a score on that. I mean that's great company to be in for those guys too. And I think that, that correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't that like the most productive game for Matt Breida this season? It it's gotta be, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm looking at the stats. You were talking about 12 for 86 average and 7.2 a rush. I mean, that's gotta be the highest per rush for sure. Um, But with his injuries and what he's had, it has to be, I'll I'll go back, look, I'll look, look back at it um, Mm -hmm. while you're uh, getting into some other stuff, but it's gotta be. I would imagine so because that like that that was just a phenomenal game because if he had been playing like that all year he probably would have been the starter but <laughs> yeah and I I, I love that pickup man and it's it's been oh that was his best game by far man yeah his next highest uh, yardage total was thirty seven yards mm-hmm. uh, in week two against Buffalo holy um, hell but it and man he also in that game it was five point three yards a carry against the Jets. Uh, in uh, November 29th, about a month ago, 4.5 yards a carry. I mean, he's had some really bad duds, but he has shown glimpses of what we brought him in here to do, you know? Yeah, that's exactly right. And he has, at mo- at times, he has looked like the player that he was in San Francisco. And yeah. that was exactly what we were hoping he could be. And so, yeah, no one ahead. should have had expectations for, like, give him the ball 25 times and let him do his thing. That's not what he does. That's why we had Jordan Howard and him. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, let me ask you a question, though, sure. real quick. I, sure. I'm a little concerned now because I was big on a running back last draft. Um, you know, multiple friends had to talk me off the ledge on that. I <laughs> especially when I saw like Swift dropping, um, you know, uh, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire drops. I, I um, wanted Cam Akers. Cam Akers was more than available for us. We had the pick of all of them. Obviously, we had three picks, so I won't run through all of yeah. the options. We could have had anybody we wanted. It so I would love to see you know Breda back next year because he's shown some glimpses. Let him get a full year now under his belt, full training camp, hopefully a normal training camp. You know, we keep forgetting about COVID. Yeah. All these new additions didn't have a regular training camp with the team. No preseason. Um, 
Absolutely. So now Gaskin is supposed to be back this week, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're going to have Ahmed, Gaskin, and Breda in the backfield. So my long-winded question here, <laughs> should I be concerned that maybe we're not going to touch a running back in this draft upcoming? Because, man, last week, last year was deep, but this one is even deeper, dude, and it is top-heavy, like five studs on the top of it, and I want one of them. Um, do you think we roll into next year with like two of these three guys and then just like a, a third guy pickup kind of move? Oh man, that is such a difficult question to answer because part of me wants to say, absolutely. Another part of me is like, well, we've got a crowded room already. And, you know, if, should we have to make space for a new running back, who do we get rid of? Yeah. You know, because miles Gaskin, when he's healthy has been pretty good. Uh, Ahmed is proving he also is pretty good. Matt Breida is now suddenly starting to come out of his shell. And if he can stay healthy, he's a damn fine weapon to have. And then, of course, comes the unsung hero, Patrick Laird. What do you do with the intern? You know, so it that, that's the main question to me. It's it's who do you get rid of to make room for a new running back? Yeah, there's not a... I, you'd kind of be disappointed and concerned that whoever it is goes somewhere else and does a great job. Sorry. I was lip, flipping oh, through. No, 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 you're good. I was I flipping through the past couple games. And I, it seems like the main issue is Ahmed Gaskin and Breda. They can't put two healthy games together in a row to get some momentum. Mm-hmm. Are you going to fault guys for that? Like, uh, you know, you know, it, that's that, that's the old adage that you hear too, is that you can't lose your job to injury, which I, that's kind of BS when you think about it. You absolutely can. Absolutely. If and, you're a quarterback, <laughs> 100%. And if you're anybody else, you get five injuries, five years in a row, you're going to lose your job. Yeah. So, you're, yeah. you're gone. Yeah. They're going to move yeah. you. So I, I suppose that's definitely something to think about. They're going to, they might look to one of these college uh, running backs if they decide, Hey, you know what? This guy will probably give us more in the long term then they might elect to move on from somebody. I would hate to see it happen, though, with some of these players, like Matt Breida, especially now he's starting to come into his own. But what if somebody will is willing to give us something, you know, doubt a second, third round pick for him, yeah. right? Yeah, you, mid-range. Yeah, what do you do? Do you try and cling on to him? Probably not. You're going to go ahead and ship him out. Be like, all right, Breida, best of luck, buddy. And you're going to yeah. take a quarter, or excuse me, you're going to take a running back. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of expecting them to look into it, but I, I suppose it depends on how the board falls. For sure. I, and, you know, the value on these running backs is at an all-time low. So, mm-hmm. you know, guys aren't going top five, Saquon, Zeke type stuff. We don't see a lot of that anymore. We probably won't see it this year, even though Najee Harris, the, the kid from Oklahoma State, Hubbard or Hubba Bubba or what I <laughs> I can never say his name. It reminds me of uh, that gum. Yeah, um, I think that, you just said the name. Oh, is it? Okay, I thought <laughs> I thought I was making the joke like punchline further down the road, but I guess I actually nope. use it there. I you led with it. I like it. It was like a deconstructed <laughs> joke. So, you know, five years ago, like three of these guys, you know, including Etienne, mm-hmm. would be like top five picks. Yeah. Like, and you go back to, I mean, longer than that, probably 10 years ago, whatever. Mm-hmm. You go back to last year, maybe Swift, but um, – uh, the kid from Ohio state that went to Baltimore. I have him on my fantasy. Oh, Dobbins. Yeah. Yeah. Dobbins. Like he's probably a top guy to at least, you know, first round. So it's changed quite a bit. So I think it has to probably, like you said, fall perfectly 
if they can get one of these dudes in the second round, yeah. take a shot on it. And I don't even, I want one, but I don't even agree with like spending a first round pick on it. Really? Maybe well, the second first round, definitely not the, the Texans pick. No, hell no. Cause the reason to think about it like this is because like you were saying there, the position has been devalued. So when you're looking at it, nobody is doing, nobody is really trying to do the bell cow back thing anymore. Yeah. You saw how it worked out for, for Dallas. Now they no longer have the best offensive line in the league. It's, it's not the same situation for Zeke, you know, and, uh, and Zeke's kind of running down. Cause that's what happens when you get like 200 touches every year. And um, now uh, what happened with the Giants? Saquon Barkley got hurt early on in the season, which ironically enough, because of the offense they were trying to run, which was uh, led by Jason Garrett of all people who was used to, again, running behind the greatest offensive line in the league, which the giants did not have. And uh, what is it? I guess Carolina is going through something similar with Christian McCaffrey, who spent the majority of this year injured. So nobody's really trying to do the bell cow back thing anymore, mostly because it's simply not efficient, especially when you're trying to run the ball as much as people are like to close out games. And now we need a little bit of diversity. We need a little bit of variety in the backfield. We need backs that can also catch. And you sure. generally, whoever you've got running, you're not trying to force them to catch the ball too. So we're going to want to probably keep a big stable of backs uh, just to have a little bit of variety. And I know that Flores likes to swap players in and out. They love to run. They love to keep the pieces moving like that. Love having that sort of uh, a wide weapon cachet, I guess, to choose from. You want to expand at Arsenal. And I don't see us going bell cow at any point just because it doesn't, that doesn't really mesh with the way that Flores does, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I, I genuinely think even if that was the route or not, you know, not bell cow in the sense of like Derrick Henry, yeah. but like a 15 to 20, if we go out to get that guy, if we get like a Najee Harris from Alabama, yeah. I, there's obviously still going to be Gaskin and Breda behind him to do. I mean, you even Derrick Henry is going to go over 400 rushes this year by the time we go into the playoffs. And that is like unheard of yeah. in recent NFL history, but they still have a, a great backup down there that comes in and spells them very well. So De- I can Lewis, right? No, there's a, a rookie. They actually, or maybe he's a second year. I can't, I'll pull up his name, but um, I think Deion Lewis has been hurt quite a bit this oh. year because it was him, yeah. but now they got this young kid that, I mean, the kid breaks off seven, eight yard chunks. Wow. After, you know, Henry wears him down and does the same <laughs> thing, but the kid looks good. So th- that's all I was wondering is if, I don't know, I, I like a running back, man. And I think this team is more of a, I think the team's success is going to be what we're doing this year. Well, defense, what we're doing this year, but a strong run game, play action, RPO, and letting Tua limit, you know, limit mistakes. So even better, actually, I love that you brought that up because it takes me into what I wanted to talk about with the rookie quarterback. First of all, another trivia question coming up. So Tua Tungavailoa became the first rookie quarterback to defeat the Patriots since who in week seven of 2013? Oh, geez. Week (laughs) seven of 2013. Uh, I'm never going to get this, so I'm not going to sit here and be like uh, uh, over and over again. But 2013 was drafted in 2012. Uh, Andrew Luck? No. 
Yeah, I don't. That's not even like a current, like a right timeline. What team was it? Can you give me a hint on the team? Now that I'm wrong. Oh man, well this will probably give it away, but the Jets. Oh, oh it's still that's still not going to give it away. I can't think of whatever. <laughs> Mark Sanchez? No. Oh, I can't. I don't know what horrible quarterbacks they had uh, that were rookies. Yeah. You give up? I do. Geno Smith. Oh yeah, no, that wouldn't have gave it. No, because I yeah, no, I would have never got that. Yeah. I would have went Chad Pennington next, and I knew that that he was (laughs) like going the wrong way, long gone before that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Although I will give you credit though for the Mark Sanchez answer because he was there at the time. That's who Gino was competing with. So either way, Gino Smith, very interesting, sad story on his part, man. Everybody was expecting him to be so much better, and if you look back at the numbers, he was actually a damn good college quarterback. incredible with his uh, the completion percentage was never under 64 percent and he made this jump from like 2700 yards to 4600 yards and then the, the his senior year he was also over 4000 yards and then uh he i think they took him in the second round or something and he was doing okay up until he got his jaw broken by his teammate and his career has kind of just been uh lackluster ever since then he's currently the backup in seattle but um, either way, Tua, though, became the first rookie quarterback to defeat the Patriots and Bill Belichick since Geno Smith in 2013. Kudos to this young man. And he went, of course, had a, roughly a pedestrian game, though, went 20 of 26, 145 yards, two touchdowns on the ground, and he threw an interception. Um, what I did find to be interesting about that and actually what I took from it and when you look at Tua's performance over the season as a whole, I do like what I'm seeing because he's showing that he can win in multiple ways. I think that's one of the hallmarks of a great quarterback is that they can win in a variety of ways. They know when to step it up and when to put the game on their back and when to let the game play out in front of them. And that's what Tua has been demonstrating. You know, that's why he hasn't been turning the ball over given he threw an interception in that game, but I mean, come on now. You're, you're playing against Bill Belichick's defense. I, you're probably going to turn the ball over at least once. And up until that point, though, he, he's been playing very well and very clean football. And it was great to see. So it might have been a pedestrian day for him by the numbers. But watching it, you saw a very poised, a very competent, a very um, – uh, so what's the word I'm thinking of? Very cerebral quarterback. He looked like a franchise quarterback in that game, even though the numbers don't necessarily say that. And we should be proud of him because he is a pretty rare rookie. Now, to his interception that he threw in the first quarter, that was actually his second in the last two games. But he is still the only Miami rookie quarterback with none, no interceptions. You got it, zero, goose egg in each of his first five starts. That is nothing to scoff at, you know? So just a testament to how well he's been playing. But what did you think of, of Tua's performance? What were you looking at? So that I'm trying to remember, it's it's almost been a week now. You know how my memory is. That interception was in the red zone, correct? Yeah. Um, yeah. It was it was a very bad pass. It was a very um, that ball was getting picked no matter what happened. Uh, I remember messaging you and and the rest of the guys about it. Some mm-hmm. I forgot what the comment was. Um, there was some sort of mix up with the receiver he threw it to, but even if there wasn't, that ball was getting picked. And I apologize again for my memory of who it was to. I watched way too much football. Um, 
it, it was a bad throw, but, and in the red zone also, which worries me a little bit, mm-hmm. um, you know, protect it in the red zone. He's better than that. I chalk that as a up as to like something that's not going to happen often. Um, interceptions are going to come the, the numbers that he has for a rookie quarterback, a lot of people are talking shit and, mm-hmm. and throwing it in his face and talking down about him. But I feel like a lot of that is just how strong Burrow was playing, how strong Herbert is playing. Um, it, he's having a good rookie year. Like, what more do you want from this kid? He's protecting the football. He's making, like you said, he can find ways to win games. Like, that's the number one thing you want out of a quarterback is winning games, right? Yep. You can get all the stats you want. But if you're not winning games, what does it matter? Um, so he's doing what he's supposed to do. I, I'm, I have no problem with him at all. I think he's been playing great. I just want you to protect the ball and make the big plays when you need to. We saw it against the Chiefs multiple times in one game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then last week, it was a sloppy game that he didn't lose them. How about that? How about yeah. if Ryan Fitzpatrick was starting, he could have put us in a position to lose that game, right? Yeah. He slings one bad turnover that gets taken back to the house, you know, something like that. Um, Completely changes the tide of the game. Absolutely. Momentum, the scoreboard, whatever. I, I just think two is safer. Yeah, his ceiling is a little lower right now, but his floor is a little higher. Yeah. I, like the guy, and again, he's played what, five or six games as a quarterback with no, no preseason. Yeah. With no regular training camp. Exactly. Like, coming I, off of a coming off a devastating injury and to, to have that kind of turnaround is remarkable. First of I, all, I don't know what more, like, I know I'm talking to like imaginary, not imaginary fans. We have people listening to us hey obviously, guys. but I'm, I'm arguing with imaginary fans right now because I see it so much on social media, right. the bash, bashing of them. What more do you want this kid to do? We are in a position, we win the next two games. We're going to the playoffs and yeah, we're going to be an underdog, whoever we play, mm-hmm. but we're going to have a shot. We match up well with some of these playoff teams because of him, he, yeah. you know, he mistake mistakes are going to kill you this time of the year. Yeah. And he just doesn't, he doesn't do them. They're rare. Right. Um, he holds on to the ball, maybe a little long, takes some sacks, uh, you know, uh, yeah. but that's just a kid trying to be a playmaker. So exactly. And now he, well, that's part of that development of being a rookie quarterback is learning when to do that and when to not do it. Yeah. And it's a part of the process. But again, like you said, what more do people want? What do y'all want from him? You know, what do you want? Justin Herbert? Cause we could have Justin Herbert, but look at the chargers record. So a, a whole lot of good, those numbers are doing for them, you know? So yeah, I I'd rather a Chargers, a Chargers team that probably has more talent than we do on yeah. both sides of the ball. I mean, they've had a lot of injuries on the defensive side, but on the offense, they have more talent just in Allen and Eckler alone. That's it. <laughs> it's like, exactly. So I, I would think I would much rather have these pedestrian numbers, but we're winning games. So I'm going to go ahead and go with that. You know, um, I do. I, I love the way to his plan. And I, I know he's going to continue to get better because that's kind of what he does. And to me, yeah. that was the real litmus test anyways, facing off against the Patriots. Cause do we remember how Justin Herbert did against the Patriots this year? Does anybody mm-hmm. remember? I know you remember. Oh, I absolutely <laughs> remember. I, I, yeah. I didn't score Bel- a point. Oh yeah. Belichick shut them all the way out. Like, yeah, I think Herbert had Herbert threw two touchdowns to the wrong team. (laughs) Yeah. So nothing, zero, nada. So I, I, that to me, that's all that needs to be said on that. But I do want to point this out before uh, we move on to the next part here. Um, The uh, Patriots, by the way, they're 
win percentage of 0.429 on the road versus Miami is the worst versus any opponent in the Belichick era with the minimum of three games. And to me, that too is a monumental achievement considering the amount of dominance that this team has had in the, the AFC East for all these years. And the fact that Miami has to play them twice a year. So yeah, the, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I thought you were oh, pausing for me to hop in. Go ahead. Oh, go no, ahead. You, I was just going to say, so for them to have that kind of win percentage over the Patriots, whenever they come down to South beach, like I was saying to Ruthie, when she was on the show, we just have always seemed to have the Patriots number down there in Miami and my goodness, you know, now here it is. It's in, in the numbers, but what were you going to say? Yeah. I mean, yeah, we got the highest win percentage of any team by the, you know, against the Tom Brady led Patriots. Like I, I don't know what it is. I don't know. We just match up well against them. They don't play well down there in Miami. Um, yeah. I, Hey, whatever mm-hmm. I they're, they're good. I'm looking at, Coming into this season, so only under Tom Brady. So since 2002, Patriots are 80 and 22, which you, you mentioned the win percentage, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, 80 and 22 in the AFC East since uh, 2012 or 2002. And I'm pretty sure I don't have it here right in front of me. I couldn't find it. But from what I was talking to somebody about the other day, I think more than half of those wins are by the Dolphins, too. Yeah. Like the Bills only have like two or three, maybe. Um, and the Jets have right around that too. The Dolphins have over like 12 of those wins, I believe, without going and looking it up again quickly. Ah, but um, yeah, so I don't know. We, we own them, man. But Something about traveling down to South Florida, man, it must really ha- take its toll on them. Yeah. Um, what I do want to touch on real quick, let's look at this defense. Uh, I know they were pretty rowdy in that game. Three forced fumbles, three sacks, five tackles for loss. That was just kind of skimming the surface. Obviously, it goes much deeper than the numbers, but the defense played well. Um, they uh, Jason Sanders actually missed his lone field goal attempt on the afternoon. I guess he deserved the day off, though. I mean, they, they've been working his ass to a pulp. So, <laughs> Or maybe his mojo was taken by New England's kicker, who was the only one scoring points for them thanks to Miami's rowdy defense. I think he, he knocked through four of them or something like that. Yeah. Four, that, that, four for four. Yep. That's where their 12 points came from. So, I mean, that that's pretty remarkable. The defense, like we were talking about before this kind of the way this team is built, right? Defense run the ball to a, don't lose us the game. Yeah. And I, again, that goes back to like, what's wrong with that? What more do you want? Like I, I have a bad history. People get mad at me of calling guys gay man- managers, I, pe- but people, I forget who says it on TV. One of the analysts, they say, they're like, well, why is that a derogatory term? Like, why is that a bad thing? I say it and I don't mean it as a bad thing. Trent Dilfer was a game manager and the dude took the best defense to ever play the game and won a Super Bowl with them. Like I'll yeah. take that any day. Now, this Dolphins defense, you know, they're not the Ravens two oh two Ravens. I, I get that, mm-hmm. um, but they're they're the arguably the top defense in the NFL. I mean, statistically, they're definitely top five. Yeah, but they're the number one scoring defense in the NFL. Sure, yeah, the schedule's been soft, whatever, whatever. But you can only they're NFL teams, man. Like I don't like that excuse. Like these are pro, <laughs> these are the best of the best. Like this isn't an accident that they're in the league. It's not little giants you're playing some pop Warner pickup team every week. These are dudes getting paid to play football and getting smashed by this defense. Like mm-hmm. they're just dominating people. Um, so, you know, we expected this. I, I forget what, um, 
me, you, and Ruth, Ruthie uh, projected for the game. I know we were all right around this. I know she was a little higher, I think, but I know we were all right around a 20 score to a 10 kind of score. Mm-hmm. Um, so we expected this defense to dominate, and they they stepped up and did. They you you beat bad teams. This defense is going to dominate bad teams. And again, Tua not making mistakes and keeping us in ball games. You know, yeah. the the game looked hit or miss in the first half. There was some concern. Like mm-hmm. there was genuine reason to be concerned. We weren't moving the ball all that well, um, but they stuck to their game plan and it yeah. paid off in the end. Now I do love what you alluded to there because it was, we witnessed over the last couple of weeks, this transition from uh, the, there were some issues that we were having earlier in the season that I, I was kind of privy to is that we would get to these early leads and we'd be really explosive in the first half and then mm-hmm. just completely taper off in the second half. And I had expressed some concerns about that because it's like, okay, are we still going to be able to be competitive in the second half? What happens if we are down or if, you know, it's still a very close game. And thankfully now we are starting to get the answers to those questions. And in this game, we saw it. They made those halftime adjustments. They came out and bam, started scoring points. And then the game was ours after that, you know, and that's, that's, that's all I wanted to see. Cause I was a little yeah. concerned, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to sit there and be like, Oh yeah, we're, we're dominant and we're kicking ass and stuff when you're scoring all your points in the first half, you know, yeah. You get a bunch of a bunch of things go your way, ball bounces the right way, whatever, you know. But can you still come back and win in the second half when all when everything's on the line and the pressure is on? So that that's one of my favorite things about this team is the way that they battle that adversity. Adversity they they don't give up, and I think that's what Flores has come here and instilled in this team. And I think that's what one of Tua's biggest. Uh, aspects as a leader and the quarterback for this team mm-hmm. is that this guy's not going to go and give up. He, he got onto this stage because he came in into a national championship game at halftime and led a huge comeback. And when you're 19, was he 19 years old when he did it? Like oh I could not God. even, I couldn't even imagine dude, you know, I don't care how good you are at your job, who you are to come into that position. Like anybody could buckle under that kind of pressure. So nothing's going to phase this kid. And it gets passed on to the rest of the team. It, it's something that is, uh, uh, what's the word? Not toxic, but you infectious. know, it, it, infectious. Yeah. yeah. So I was, I was literally going to say that like, that energy is infectious and a hundred percent. I, I agree. I love that game too. I was actually sitting down to a birthday dinner. I remember the moment, uh, when it happened and I watched this kid come in, you know, we were at this restaurant, this nice place in the far end of Jacksonville. And, the, they just happen to have the game on and just sitting there watching this all of a sudden they're like oh the freshman is coming in i'm like who the hell and all of a sudden he comes in hits a couple strikes and throws that bomb and like whoa and i like, forgot i've what do you remember exactly what i know i so i bet alabama at halftime i forgot exactly what the score was though at halftime was it 17 nothing or something like that something like um, that yeah yeah it, it was like it was more than two scores um it was like two and a half scores but I bet Alabama at halftime, um, it was like minus 10 or something like that. So they only had to lose by like a touchdown. And when they came jogging out and said that, I was like, oh my God, dude, like, what did I do? Like I had already lost that day. I'm like chasing. And I'm like, who is this kid? And why is Nick Saban going to this dude? Bro, within like 10 minutes, I was like, all right, I'm going to shut up. Like he came out, it took him a couple drives to score, if I remember off the top of my head correctly, mm-hmm. but he came out just slinging. 
yep. slinging. No once, fear, man. Once he got comfortable, man, that was it. It was lights out from that yep. point on. And I just thought to myself, if Miami can land this kid, oh my goodness. And sure enough, we did. You know, wasn't really wasn't expecting a hip injury to happen in between then and now, but you know, you 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 take take whatever you can get, come whatever may. But Let's go ahead and look ahead to Vegas. Now, that is taking place in Vegas, or what's the Yes, deal? sir, yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, our Miami Dolphins will be traveling to Las Vegas to face off with the Raiders, formerly of Oakland. Uh, Miami is 9-5. and five. Raiders are going to be 7-7. Seven and seven. Um, you want me to hop in here, man? Get us yeah. into this one. I'll, I'll kick it around a little bit, please. All right, let me uh, let me go with some of the stuff that I got down here. So just some of the uh, some of the boring stuff, but we'll get it out of the way here, just to <laughs> kind of give you like a a general picture of what we're looking at here. So Miami's co- coming in averaging twenty five point one points per game. That is sixteenth in the NFL. But as we said earlier, they got the number one scoring defense in the league, giving up only eighteen point four points per game. On the flip side, we got a Vegas team who, you know, I got fan. My, my uncle and my dad are Raiders fans. So for two weeks now, we've all been arguing about this one, like close to blows, like arguing type stuff over this. Um, this Raiders offense can be better than this Dolphins offense. I don't know if it is in this moment, but they've showed glimpses of being somewhat explosive. They come into the game averaging 26.9 points per game. Good for 11th in the NFL. But this is where the big mismatch is this game. And this is like, this is the, the mountain, the hill that I'll die on when I'm arguing with my family. This Raiders defense is awful, awful. It's not even comparable to compare these two units. Vegas comes in surrendering 30, 30.1 points per game. Good for 29th in the NFL or bad for 29th in the NFL, mm. um, depending on how you look at it. Um and Savak, before we jump into some breakdowns and what we think, I got a couple keys to the game here that I want to throw at you. Please let do. me give you uh, let me give you this quote from Brian Flores. I saw from his press conference that I liked a lot. <clears throat> Excuse me. Our playoffs are this week against the Raiders. Let's call it the playoffs this week against the Raiders. Let's call it that. It's okay. one game at a time. That's kind of where my focus is. That's where we'll try to direct their focus. If they're talking about anything else, it's about the Raiders. It's one game. It's a one-game season. Let's call it a one-game playoff season. I didn't put the right emphasis on it or the right uh, pizzazz that he did. Um, I messed up my commas and uh, periods at some spots. So he said it a lot more enthusiastically um, than I did. But, bro, how can these guys not be fired up for this? They know. We control our own destiny right here. You win these next two games, you're going to the playoffs. And the way it's looking, we're going to have a decent shot to compete in that first round. What um, They're, they're going to be hyper-focused here, right? What do you think about Flores? That's what he's got to say, obviously, right? But yeah, that's what it is. Absolutely. He's got to say that. He's got to, got to approach it with that mentality. And I love when coaches say that. It's like, forget the rest of the season. Forget what's happened. Forget what's coming. We need to focus on right now. The goal is to go 1-0 this week. And he's got the right mentality. And of course, you know, for whatever reason, of course we, we can't sit in on the meetings. We have no idea what gets said or how he says it to the players, but man, do they want to play for him? These guys want to run through the wall for him. They want to get into fights for him. They, <laughs> and it's mostly because he's he wants to do the same. 
Now, yeah, he wants to get into fights for them. We saw that. He's, he's trying to that. strap. Loved that. By the way, it does remind me actually of uh, talking about the Raiders. They seem to have a bit of a coaching issue going on down there with Gruden because um, they have been kind of tapering off. They started yeah. the season much stronger than they're currently going. And I think it was Cowherd I was listening to. He was mentioning that if that's the case, then the issue is coaching. You know, it, good coaches make teams better as the season goes on. Yeah. And, you know, vice versa. And that's a, I mean, hell, good example. Miami, both this year and last year, the teams have gotten better as the season has gone on. In fact, we ended up rattling off a few wins last year towards the end there. Absolutely. And this year we've been gaining steam. Once we started winning, we just couldn't stop. Well, except for when we did, but that's not the point. Uh, the, <laughs> the point is we got that momentum and we're still carrying it now. So I think there, we stand a very good chance of beating this team. I did want to highlight something real quick. A uh, very interesting uh, thing about this matchup because Derek Carr is still currently injured, right? Uh, yeah, well, actually, uh, you know, we, we did our third and Longo podcast earlier. So I was looking into some betting lines, some stuff that's going on there. Mm-hmm. It's looking like Carr is going to be playing now as of really? like this morning. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh man, that's wild. I wasn't sure because I was actually a little intrigued to watch Marcus Mariota go uh, so- toe-to-toe with Tua. I'll, I'll look it up again right now. I, I looked it up like an hour ago, but I'll double check. I'm 90% sure he's playing. And I, I think this might help us, man. We've struggled against some running quarterbacks. I agree. Um, not so much last week. Mariota looked a little inaccurate last week, but dude, he was running, man. He was making plays. Well, remember that's what got him drafted initially was that he was able to run and gun. He was able to do it all. But uh, one thing that's really interesting about these two quarterbacks coming into this game is, you know, they came from the same high school, right? Uh, Tua and Carr or Tua and Mariota? Tua Tua and Mariota. Oh, really? Yeah. When Tua was coming up, dude, he had a poster of Marcus Mariota in his room because it was Hawaii's only Heisman Trophy winner. Oh, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I you said both of these guys, and I said Tua and Carr went to the same high school, and you said yeah. No, That's I why said, I was confused. No, no, I said, no, you, no, you said Tua and Carr or Tua and Mariota. And oh, I said, yeah. okay, okay, okay. My bad. I was yeah. confused. I'm like, wait. I'm like, sorry, no, sorry. Carr didn't go to Hawaii. I'm like, yeah. what are you talking about? In case no. I wasn't clear, Tua That's my bad. and Marcus Mariota went to the same high school. That makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. And. So it very intriguing because I, if I'm not mistaken, which I very well might be, my our, our people out in Hawaii might be able to correct us. I think Tua ended up smashing the records that were set by, by Mariota. If not, well, I don't know, dude. Drag me on Twitter. Do what you need to do. But uh, either way, that's what's intriguing about the matchup. So I was kind of hoping that we might get to see that. So yeah. unfortunately, if Derek Carr ends up playing, well, it puts a spoiler on that, dampens the whole mood. So, you know, we don't know yet. Uh, we don't have that much inside. We don't know yet what happened today, but Austin, everyone else knows uh, now that he, Derek Carr practiced in full yesterday. Okay. Um, he said he'll be doing everything he can to play. Um, but you never know. You, you never know what he can practice in full. He could re-injure it or it could all be BS. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you never know. Um, I'd kind of sighed a sigh of relief when I saw that because yeah, it, I think Mariota looked pretty good and him being he as did. mobile as he is, I think he can cause us more problems than Carr can. I would agree for sure. Uh, Cause Carr is a bit, bit more of a statue. 
And coincidentally, man, he's for as good as he plays at times, there's these other stretches where it's like, damn, how, what the hell are you even doing out there? Um, so I guess I, I would very prefer, hot and cold. Yeah, exactly. So I guess I would really prefer to see Carr out there, but a part of me, you know, I guess that, that inner football fan that yearns to see a great game would, would kind of prefer Mariota to be the quarterback for the Raiders just to see. Yeah, no, I was excited to see that, even though, like I said, I, I was kind of afraid of it as opposed to car starting, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, well, first off, I think we're going to get a pretty fun game to watch here either way. Yeah. Um, being a standalone game, uh, the Raiders, they have been, they've been abysmal lately, man. I don't know why anybody's trusting this team right now. When you get beat by 40 by Atlanta, you should have lost to the jets. And then you lose last week against a division rival on primetime. They're trending down, down, down. Yeah. Um, so let me, uh, let me hop into something else for you here. I just wanted to, uh, I got the injury report here. I can pull up. We'll touch on some stuff with that. Let me cool. give you though, uh, a big factor in this game that I got a little, so I'm a little concerned about this game. I don't know if you can tell, um, just a bit yet or not Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little nervous about this game. Uh, my family may have gotten into my head a little bit, but there, there is some, you know, stuff to be nervous about mm-hmm. I, the dolphins being on the road in a favorite situation where this game means a lot more to them. It could be a, a trap, not a trap, but like a, just maybe a spot they're not ready for. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, and what concerns me here is the Miami run defense against this Oakland running game. So this team's been on quite the downslope and a lot of it can be tied to Josh Jacobs health. Um, He's been banged up a lot this year, missed some games. The offensive line missed some games. They had their whole O-line out for COVID stuff. Didn't practice for a couple weeks, still had to play in the games. So the Raiders come into the game ranked 12th in the NFL in rushing yards per game Mm -hmm. at 121 yards per game led by Josh Jacobs with 907 yards on 245 rushes. Guys also got 10 rushing touchdowns this year, which is a pretty good number. Um, The Alabama products in 2019, though, he averaged 4.8 yards per brush in his rookie season last year. This year he's down to 3.7. So he is down a little bit. Um, This Dolphins defense throughout the year has been weak against the rush, I I think. Um, And they're coming into the game allowing 120 rushing yards per game. But over the past three weeks, that number's down to 83.7 yards per game. Um, So my question to you is, is that I feel like this is a big concern to me. Like, I feel like Jacobs and them, if, if he's, you know, less banged up, if he's feeling good, um, I'll pull up the injury report again, but it's looking like they're getting a lot of guys back. And a lot of their injuries were in the secondary um, so they should have a healthy O-line, healthy Jacobs. Should I be concerned? We be concerned here with what they can do on the ground against this Miami D? Oh, without a doubt, because that has been the prevailing issue in Miami's defense all season long. Despite how good they've played, especially on the back end, run defense has been the issue. That has been the hole in the armor. So for them, and they then Vegas has a great running back. As you were alluding to, if he's healthy, he is a dominant force on the ground and will <laughs> gash us up if we're not able to contain him. So that yeah, is absolutely something to worry about. Now, is there a good chance though, that Josh Boyer and Brian Flores 
are looking ahead, seeing this, and they're trying to find ways now to scheme to make sure that they can contain Josh Jacobs. Probably, you know, we, um, I think that they've shown a good, uh, what's a good word for it. Well, they've shown a knack for adjusting really well. Yeah. But, uh, if even at the very least, this is what I'm going to say. I think he will be a big issue for Miami's defense in the first half of the game. Okay. At the very least, because that, that everything is just theory until you hit the field. And once they yeah. hit the field and then go into the, the locker room at halftime, they're going to be like, all right, this is where we're messing up. Make the, make the necessary adjustments, come back out. And I think he will be much less effective after that. All right. All right. I like it. I hope that is the case, man. And yeah, looking at their injury report, um, a lot of guys for the Raiders are limited. Nobody is ruled out officially, especially, I mean, at nobody. I mean, they have two or three uh, DNPs, Mm -hmm. but in terms of the offensive line, um, Rodney Hudson, their center, two days in a row of limited practice. Um, Gabe Jackson, their starting guard, two two days in a row, limited practice with a knee injury. And Sam Young, their tackle, two days in a row, limited participation in practice. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I just think it's definitely something that we should be concerned about going into this game, especially with the injuries that we have piling up um, for us. We got, you know, Van Noy was limited at practice, Jerome Baker limited, um, Xavier and Howard put in a full practice, thankfully. Um, but we got our own issues going on over here too. Shaq Lawson limited in practice. I mean, I, I think – I put this down as my number one key to the game, man. If they can limit Jacobs, um, then I think the other key to the game I have a little later, who is Darren Waller, mm-hmm. um, and focus on him a, a bit. I think they got a really good shot here to handle this game pretty easily. I, I like that you brought him up, actually, because there's a very interesting insight piece on him, actually. And in, in his last three games, he has 425 receiving yards. Who's that Waller? Yep. And that is the most by a tight end in a three game span of a single season all time. Oh, really? All time. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that is the guy that is going to be the second key right there. So yeah, run game, shut down Darren Waller. And I, you know, I don't think there is a shutting down and definitely not both of them. You got to pick or choose, but I don't think there is a shutting down Waller. I watch him a ton again, because of the, the people I spend my time with the Raiders are on TV. Mm-hmm. This dude just gets it against everybody. And so I looked back, uh, I went on to cbssports.com. You can break down um, positions versus defense, and it'll show you every team and what that position did against the defense. We haven't played. There's only one tight end that we've played. That's even close to the caliber of Waller and he's better. It's Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. um, two weeks ago. Um and Kelsey went off against us. I yeah. think it was 10 receptions, 136 and a touchdown. Something like uh, that. Miami's amazing. They only have, I think it's three other touchdowns given up to tight ends and not, not over 50 yards. I think it was, I'll, I can pull it up again, but off the top of my head, haven't given up 50 yards, only given up three other touchdowns, but they haven't played a tight end. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. you think back to the teams that they've played and beat or whatever, there's not, there's no good tight ends on those teams. No. So I think Waller, yeah, Waller and Jacobs. And I know that's not like, I'm not reinventing the wheel here by saying (laughs) the two best players on Vegas are the two players we should worry about. But the reason it's giving me concern in this game is because the two best players are Vegas in Vegas are 
in two positions that can really give us problems. Yeah, two two phys- very physical positions that we have had trouble with this year. Um, and that that's kind of the 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 makeup of this Vegas team. And that was that was what Gruden wanted to build with the Raiders was to build this very physical, very uh, tough and, you know, yeah. mean team. And that's basically what they've done. I think that's why they've been limiting their offensive linemen at practice. I th- I'm sure that is absolutely on purpose just to try and manage the wear and tear on them. And I, I do want to point this out about Darren Waller, too. Um, he's kind of a cheat code at the tight end position. A lot of people don't think about it. And a lot of people don't even really know, but he was actually originally a wide receiver when he came into the yep. league and made the transition afterwards. He just happened to be very big, but uh, he is, yeah, fat- he's, he's not a tight end. Yeah, no, no, no. He's a wide receiver. He is, yep. <laughs> he is much faster than most people playing his position. And that's what makes him so dangerous. Now, when you highlight that or, you know, contrast it with the injuries that we have specifically to the linebacking core, we do have a bit of an issue there. There's a, there's a gap in the center of the field that could be exploited by both of those players that we're talking about right now, Josh yeah. Jacobs and Darren Waller. So I do agree. I wonder who do you think is going to be the priority for Brian Flores and Josh Boyer to slow down? Which one? Um, Man, that's a good question. Uh, I think that they would have a better shot at slowing down Actually, you know what? You know what? No, I'm going to flip that. I was going to say Jacobs, but I think I think they should go after Waller and I think they should double team them, bracket them, whatever they got to do, because these receivers don't scare me. Um, I know he wasn't on the injury report. I, I hope I didn't close it, but he's been banged up. Aguilar, mm-hmm. he's not on the injury report, so he should be fine. Um, Hunter Renfro Fro also was a full participant in practice. Um, and rugs looks like he should be coming back. So maybe I jumped the gun a little bit in saying that these guys don't, you know, scare me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, rugs can burn by you, whatever. He also drops a lot of passes. Aguilar, <laughs> same thing, drops a lot of passes, but he'll burn by you. Although Aguilar seemed to found a new career here in Oakland or Vegas. I'm happy yeah. for him. He got a bum rap in Philly with the drops and stuff. Um, yeah. and I'm, it's nice to see him doing well. Um, but this receiving core is not the receiving core that we went up against two weeks ago at KC. So, um, no one's, you know, no one's going to burn us like Tyreek did. So mm-hmm. I would say they need to kind of go at Waller and double them up, jam them at the line, give them some problems. Mm-hmm. Um, what I was going to ask you is if they, if they try to man up on them, who, who do you think they should go with if they man up on them, or if that's even a smart move to, to try to even do that? Like to just put somebody on Darren Waller. Well, Hey, so maybe, well, yeah, now that you asked, asked it back that way, I, <laughs> I mean, they, so they don't have two stud receivers that we need to worry about. At, is it at least in- not, not two that are consistent enough to be worried about. So is it crazy to put Jones just stick them on. I, I, I doubt it. Ha- it'll happen. I highly doubt it. But like we just said, this dude's more of a wide receiver than anything. Is it insane to put Jones just manned up on him? Or I mean, Howard, if you want, but whatever, I think Jones is probably. Yeah. Who? Oh man. That's a really good question. I suppose it would have to be one of the more, one of the more physically uh, gifted <laughs> yeah defensive back so it would either be jones or igbenogany is he still around so yeah i mean yeah he he was returning punts uh last week i don't know if i saw him much on defense um but uh, yeah i don't i mean he is I, our he, he is one of our nickel 
mm-hmm. you know, corners and that's where he would be. I mean, he's definitely fast enough. I don't know if he's uh, I mean, none of these guys are big enough. That dude no. Waller is huge. If you so exactly, if you're going to put anybody other than a linebacker on him because of because of his size, then they need to be playing the ball. They can't even bother playing the man. Just keep yeah. pace with but him. That's the, watch the ball. That's but that's the thing. That's why we're talking all this concern. We can't mm-hmm. just throw a linebacker on him. He's going to blow by a linebacker. So exactly. yeah, I I think he should be the priority now that we've we've talked it through. But yeah. I just don't know. I don't know what they do with him. I don't know. That's exactly it. It maybe you uh because of the injuries that we have in the linebacking, the linebacking core, do we maybe swap out, pop somebody uh, a backup safety in at linebacker and try to bracket him, do something yeah. like that? I mean that that's all I can think of. Um if it I guess to me it's not too crazy to imagine putting somebody on him just to stick with him for the entirety of the game. Specifically Igbenogany comes to mind because I know he's athletic enough to keep pace with him outside of that i have no idea <laughs> and, and i know we haven't seen it much this year we haven't had much of an opportunity to but i do remember them talking about when igbenogany came out despite i mean he's not small but he's not huge yeah. but he's physical for what he is you know he's blazing world-class fast mm-hmm. but he tries to get physical i don't think he'd be afraid um I think he'd try to stick it right to him. And I, and I don't think covering a man up one-on-one is a good idea anyways. Nope. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure the guys that get paid a million dollars to do it will come up with something better than we can. But it's, I think it's going to be one of the more <laughs> one of the more interesting and one of the more important things to watch is, yeah. uh, is that matchup. Because this dude, he can take this game over and he can ruin it for us, exactly. in, in my opinion. I do want to um, highlight one thing before you move on. Yes, sir. Uh, because Henry Ruggs is on the team. I, this to anybody, you know, this is back on that to a hate conversation to anybody who thinks that he was a product of the environment in Alabama. Take a look at how his receivers have been faring in the NFL so far. They are very far removed from being the best rookie receivers currently yeah. in the league. Uh, neither one of them has particularly popped Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. Uh, they've both been okay. They have had their moments, but no, neither one has been consistently no. good. And uh, however, no, yeah, I, I, you would obviously take Justin Jefferson for sure. And I, you take T Higgins, T Higgins, probably over him. The numbers so probably yeah. chase Claypool. Uh, oh yeah. Claypool has been great. And the, uh, the kid from Indy, I like too, that uh, went to USC Pittman. Ah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. Oh, Brandon Ayuk. Oh, so there you go. Yeah, that, that's just seven off the top of our head right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All these guys you would take probably before those two receivers. So that should tell you a little bit about Tua and how yeah. much he meant to that program and how much he should mean to us Miami fans. But go ahead. What were you going to say? No, nothing. I was going to move us on to the you move us on to the next point here. But that, now that you mentioned that, though, the funny thing is, though, you know, whatever. He wasn't the product. Those guys help. It's Alabama. Yeah. They get the top recruiting class. What do you got? Want the guy to do like that? He plays with the best people around him. That's mm-hmm. what it is. How about they lose the number one receiver in the country, Alabama, and then a week later they have the number one receiver in the country. <laughs> it's crazy what uh, Devonta Smith is doing um, after the other dude went down. I don't know why I'm spacing on his name right now, but uh, yeah, they they always have two, three world-class receivers so you can't yeah. hold that against and the guy two, you know? and two three world-class running backs and you know yeah. the best offensive lineman it, yeah it shouldn't be considered a knock against Tua 
uh, that he no. happened to be surrounded by a bunch of NFL talent. That's that's they they win. I'm sorry. They, yeah. They're winning. They're a winning program. So they get the best recruits. That's just how it works. Yeah. Sorry. He was good enough as at his craft to go to the best college football program to ever exist. Yeah. So I'm not going <laughs> to, yeah, I'm not going to knock him for that. So, um, all right. So we talked about the Waller matchup here. Um, one thing I'll touch on, I won't get into the whole thing. I, I brought up the Raiders uh, or I wrote down about the Raiders passing offense as a whole against the Dolphins passing defense, which we have a little bit more of a strength in. Um, we're, we're a better pass defense than a rush defense. I think sure. everybody would agree with that. Um, but we talked about it a bit already, so I won't get into all of it, but a stat that I pulled up and found, um, that again is going to speak to this Waller thing. So the Raiders, uh, they're passing yards per attempt. So every time car passes the ball, the average it's 7.4 yards per attempt, mm-hmm. but they're passing uh, their yards per completion. It's 10.9 yards per completion. Wow. So that, that was in the top 10 of the league. I forgot to write down uh, where they were exactly. I think it was like eight or nine. But the problem here is for how good Miami's defense has been, Miami's at the bottom. I was surprised by this because I rarely look up this stat. Um, the Dolphins passing yards per attempt against is 7.0. Their passing yards per completion is 11.2 given up per completion. So what that's telling us is the Dolphins are prone to give up some big chunk plays through the air, and the Raiders are prone to attempt and complete some big chunk plays through the air. So just another thing to look out for, and I know that plays into what we've already been talking about. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what it'll probably end up coming down to is you're you're looking at a good offensive staff versus a good defensive staff. I think what it really will boil down to, because I was just looking at some of the numbers, um, mistakes, you know, penalties. Yeah, Uh, we are. Miami has been a very disciplined team this year and have well under coach Flores during his tenure. And Vegas, they're a little less disciplined, let's yeah. say. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Gruden's a little bit more fly by the seat of your pants, loose cannon type of deal. And uh, I think that that's reflected in his team. And while they might be very, you know, aggressive, and I do want to go ahead and commend Derek Carr for how he's been playing. I, I noticed this actually earlier in the season. He is kind of demonstrating a, a pretty decent mastery of John Gruden's offense. You, you see him up there making this, making the changes, making the calls, audibling. He seems to be in control of this offense, but uh, it's really going to come down to that. I think the little things, you know, the stuff where we used to have a wall for the TNT wall takes no talent. I think it's going to come down to those little things that are going to end up deciding this game. Who makes the least mistakes yep. will end up yeah. emerging victorious. That's, I mean, that's usually what a lot of these playoff type feel games come down to. So for sure. And I mean, yeah, they definitely, uh, the Raiders, no matter who's coaching or playing, always have a history of being the ones that make those mistakes and those boneheaded penalties. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about living up to the expectations in that organization of making stupid penalties. I don't know how it carries over. I just, I, I don't yeah, get it. Do I. You know what that reminds me of? Actually, I think I feel like another organization that's kind of got that going on is Tampa Bay. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Very, very loose, very, very free spirited. Absolutely. Uh, You know, I I've noticed even in, uh, even in Madden, like I'll run a particular type of offense that 
perfect with the Dolphins. But then, you know, if I try to apply the same thing to a Tampa Bay franchise, turnover city, and I'm starting yeah. to wonder if maybe it's just inherent within that organization or those organizations as we're talking about Vegas as well. They just a little bit loose, a little bit, um, I don't even know what the word is, but they, they, they got that low football high IQ score, that low discipline score yeah, uh, in, it, in Madden. It carries over. It's the equivalent of, of like looking at a, a very tightly wound university versus a party school. You yeah. know, <laughs> that's yeah. the way it feels. And maybe that contributes to it, but it is, it seems to be, it goes from coach to coach, GM to GM. These guys don't seem to make a bit of damn difference in that regard. I don't know, man. What do you think it could be? Is it just, especially now when you're looking at the Raiders, do you think that being in Vegas kind of plays into that? Yeah, I think just being a Raider plays into it. I think it's something now they don't say like, go out there and commit five false start penalties every game. Like they, but I think, you know, that toughness, that edge, the late hit penalties, especially back in the day, the late hit, the roughing stuff. Like that was just who they wanted to be. So it was built in. Um, it was what it was drilled into them. Mm-hmm. So then that leads to lack of discipline. And I don't know, they'll have to do a study on why it carries over from a different GM and a different coach. And and now um, an owner that passed away, you know, mm-hmm. like, and it's still going on. Um, so, so I don't know exactly, but I mean, it's just got to be the way that they want that franchise to play the game. And that's how it comes out. You know, yeah, they focus on different stuff instead of focusing on being a discipline, you know, I guess historically they've always wanted to be tougher than they were disciplined, you know, like yeah. forget being a, uh, being tightly wound and following the rules. Let's just be the toughest team out there. And at a time that was the way to win. That's, games. that's what paid off. Yeah. 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 I mean, you think about those Steeler teams around that same time, like that's, that's the Washington teams. That's, I think that's what shit, uh, old Buffalo. Yeah, uh, that exactly. That was, that was what got the job done. So maybe that's part of what it is. They just haven't let that go. And you know what, maybe that's part of what gives them their competitive edge, but who knows? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, it, it's maybe worked before for them, but I think it's doing more harm than good now. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So let me, you know, I've thrown a few stats at you, a lot of numbers. Let me throw one more at you, and then okay. we'll keep it moving here um, and see what we want to do about this game and what we think is going to happen, what we think is going to play out. Mm-hmm. Um, a very important one that I pulled out, uh, third down defense for Miami against third down efficiency for the Raiders. So I wouldn't have known this if, uh, well, I knew this about Miami, but I wouldn't have known this about Vegas if I hadn't looked it up. Uh, Miami's top, uh, I forgot what it was, but they're like the top third of the league, um, in third down defense, they only allow 32.5% conversion rate on third downs. So this is what I didn't know. The Las Vegas Raiders are second in the league, converting 49.1% of their third downs. That's obviously got to speak to Jacobs, just being able to fall forward, muscle his way for three, four yards on Mm -hmm. first and second down. And then you get a third and two. So they kind of play offense and pick up those third downs on the way that we should be wanting to pick up, keep Tua in short yardage, keep him ahead of the chains. Yeah. We want third and twos, third and threes, third and fours. We don't want five sixes and sevens on exactly. the third down. Um, but that's a huge stat. This stats used for a lot. The reason I look it up is because I look it up for every game. It's a huge gambling stat. If teams can get off the field on third down defensively, they're going to play better. 
If offenses can convert third downs, they're going to keep drives moving. So this is a huge stat here. Um, I don't know what we need to say about it, what to do with it, but I think it's one of the most important stats of the game here because if we can stop them on third down, they're second in the league. Not a lot of teams have. If Mm -hmm. we can slow them down, get them off the field, um, it's going to go a very long way. And then speaking to what we talked about earlier, it obviously starts with slowing down Jacobs. Yeah. Because if we have them in third – third and seven third and eight third and nine it's a lot harder to pick up the third downs man that's exactly right let me kick it to you this way uh based on those same stats because miami has actually been converting third downs at what 40 40 percent miami's very good too at third downs yep I, yeah yep and it's just uh, oakland's horrible at stopping third downs, so i didn't right. mix that i, I didn't they, throw that yeah they have allowed they are allowing 50 percent yeah of yeah. the third that, down conversions that's not as tight as a matchup as this one so that's why i didn't even it's mention not, it but I, uh, I get yeah. that it is not as exciting to talk about no no Exactly. We should handle that. Mm-hmm. So I think that there is a lot of uh, possibility there. I do like what you what you highlight, though. It, it's exactly right. We got to make sure that we're putting pressure on Derek Carr or Marcus Mariota, whoever the quarterback is. We need to make sure that we're getting to him, keeping them on their toes, making sure that the receivers are covered. And, of course, trying to slow down this run game. Uh, Josh Jacobs we can't let him run all over us because if we do well that's the game right there Um, so that that's that's probably going to end up being the key because you want to get them into third and long if it's possible but if we're not slowing down Josh Jacobs then we're probably not getting them into third and long you know so that's that's what really needs to be looked at but on the reverse side though we should have no problem converting third downs if we even get to them (laughs) we should be able to move the field pretty easily on them. At least I'm hoping so. Um, I don't know what what's left in the bag of tricks from Chan Gailey, but hopefully he's got some fun, creative ideas for this game because we did see a little bit of creativity coming out again in the like, well, really in the last couple of weeks, but in that new England game, we saw some movement. We saw some trickery. We saw some motion uh, pre-snap, which was something that was lacking in the very beginning of the season. And uh, we got to get creative. Unfortunately, we're down receivers. We ended up, we ended up just cutting Antonio Callaway, you know, kind of never heard the story on that one, you know, yeah. but uh, so we're, still- I, I didn't even know that full disclosure. I didn't even know that. I didn't see that so anywhere. hundred yeah, percent. Antonio Callaway has been waived. He's gone, dude. So, wow. <laughs> and which means that like, that's a, that is kind of significant, especially for a team that was already lacking weapons on the offensive side of the ball. So for him to be gone now and just so unceremoniously cut, damn, uh, we need to get creative. We need to make use of the playmakers that we do have. Maybe hopefully they can work Brian's boy, Kirk Merritt up from the practice squad. I don't know. Yeah. I, I would really love to be able to, to see what's going on down there or why, certain guys stay on the practice squad and don't make the active roster, you know, but it is what it is, but hopefully we can, we got to find some ways to make use of these weapons because otherwise we're going to get outgunned by somebody at some point, just like how, you know, Kansas city, we were worried about that. Now we managed to keep pace with them, but it also helped that our defense really stepped up in that game and Patty cakes played the worst game of his career. I don't know, but uh <laughs> But that's what we we just need more out of the offensive side of the ball. This is the same thing I've been harping on all season long. We need more offense. So th- this is similar when we discussed the Bengals game and mm-hmm. it, it didn't work out all that well. Like 
this Raiders defense is worse than that Bengals defense in a lot of metrics. So this would be the week to show it. This would be the week to do it. Um, with any luck, the, you know, the bills can lock up the number two seed uh, this week with any luck. I, I forgot what it was. We were talking about it earlier. I think if uh, Pittsburgh loses to Indy and Tennessee loses to green Bay, Buffalo can lock up the number two seed Monday night, which means next week, we're probably not seeing Josh Allen. We're probably not seeing Singletary digs. We're, we're, we're not going to see, it's going to be a skeleton crew. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I got into it with Brian a little bit, a a couple of weeks ago, not got into anything crazy, but going back and forth, um, (laughs) like we had, well, we had before (laughs) tensions run high when we started talking dolphin football, but for sure at the most, I told, I said, Hey, maybe, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if they play Allen and them for a quarter, at least if they have it locked up yeah. just to keep them, you know, fresh, whatever, but with no buy, he made a good point with no buy week this year or, you know, no buy for the number two seed, then they have to treat it as that bye week. So That's they probably right. don't play any of them at all. So yeah, this is a huge game against a bad defense. We know we're going to play well defensively. Um, I, we just know that I, if yeah. it doesn't happen, I'll be shocked, but I'm very confident. We play well defensively. We, we got to see though against a bad defense indoors. If the roof's open, it's going to be sunny and nice. It's going to be like home for us. So mm-hmm. we need to go out there and put up some numbers here on offense, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. We do. And I, I agree. I think, uh, and especially now, but Buffalo is already locked up the division and stuff. So, uh, they're going to want to probably rest their starters. They they're going to want to go into the, into the playoffs fresh if they can. So yeah, you're probably absolutely right. And we do need, we need a showing, we need an offensive showing. We kind of need a statement game here to stake our claim. Like this is us. We're here. Yeah. I I don't mind if it's like a, this Oakland team's not as bad as their record and stats indicate there. They have some talent on offense. They have some young talent on defense. A lot of it's banged up right now. Sure. Yeah. But the, if, and Miami's on the road in a situation here where they can, it's a one game playoff situation. And again, um, a position they're not really familiar with yet. So if we come out and we lose 28 to 24 and we, it was last team, you know, we had the ball last, we won it mm-hmm. and we looked good. I'm not going to be upset with that. Nope. If we win this game like 17 to 13 and we just look sloppy and they lost the game more than we won it. Yeah. It's going to be a little unsettling because there's a very good chance. We don't have much we can show against Buffalo's skeleton crew Mm -hmm. possibly next week. So you want to have a good game here where the other team's trying to beat you, you know, you want to look good. So, but then the, the reason Brian and I had that argument and we don't need to get into it now, but I, my, I'm like, Hey, Buffalo has a shot to keep Miami out of the playoffs. So maybe they do like, maybe they do play Allen for a half. I, it's probably ridiculous. They won't, but mm-hmm. I bet you they try to win the game. Whoever the backups are, you Without know, Without a doubt who the hell comes out, not wanting to win the game, you know? I'm, I'm well, not... if you're if you're the Jaguars, they should be going out there trying to lose now that the Jets handed them yeah. Lawrence. Absolutely. But, at this point. Yeah. That's why yeah. I had to tweet but, that man. I was, you're going to love the weather in Jacksonville. <laughs> aside, aside from the Jags that people should be going out trying to win football games. Yeah. That's Especially exactly. when you can knock a rival, you can knock a division rival out of the playoffs. Look, just like we started this podcast episode with who, I mean, division rivals love to play spoiler for each other. 
You know, we take pride in killing the hopes and dreams of the Patriots. And I'm sure Buffalo would love to do the same thing to us. So, of course, they're going to come out. They're going to want to win the game. They're going to want to put us in our place, so to speak. So we do. We need to show, hey, we are not going to just roll over. You can't just beat us like that. We need to be able to say that on the field. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. So did you have anything else or are we uh, rolling out on that? No, man. I think we uh, think we got it. Fantastic. So I, I don't guess know. Or well, we throw a score prediction. Is that what you're gonna say? Or yeah, that? we could do that. Oh, me first. Yeah, I, mean, I guess I brought it up. I should have probably had some. I knew. <laughs> I I knew did, we were gonna do this. Did, I'm did never prepared. For I know. It. Don't worry. For dude, the, just the score prediction. I'm never prepared. I know. Prepared everything else. Had a whole yeah. thing of notes and shit. But like for this part right here, didn't write anything. So, you know me, man, I always like to play it logical. Um, the total for this game, I believe, was around 47, 48. Yeah, it's 48 right now. The spreads, Miami minus three. You know, Vegas is usually right often. That's why they got those big, you know, huge buildings and bright lights. Yeah. Um, so give me like a uh, – give me like a 27 for Miami. Um 27 I, I might have just said this when i was doing the thing the possibly yeah that's theoretical situation or a hypothetical uh 27 24 give me that 27 that's 24 fucking weird bro because is that I what was, you're gonna say yes 27 uh, 24 miami's way i i apologize it, it falls in line perfectly with one point off the total and it hits the spread exactly so it, it's not that creative of me i apologize <laughs> i i um, well, you know what? I no, cheated to I, get it. You, I know you don't follow the lines and totals and stuff, uh, uh, bro. If you if you saw, I don't have anything open right now. No, no, I know. So yeah, I was literally same place, twenty four, twenty seven. I think Jason Sanders, King Sanders, comes back and uh, nice and well rested, comes back to work for us, wins the game. Oh, I had 27-24 Vegas. Oh, yeah, Vegas. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm, I'm just kidding. I this this game does concern me quite a bit. That I don't know. Well, because I is, think this this is one of those games where uh, Vegas could go ahead and get a little rowdy and you yeah. know rattle off some points late. And I'd yeah. like us to come back late in the fourth quarter and Jason Sanders to seal it for us. Yeah. So I I'm with you. I'm with you. I definitely don't, obviously if I'm concerned, I don't think this is going to be some blowout type of game. <laughs> I, I think we will be trailing at some point and we're going to need some guys to make some plays. We're going to need Tua to step up. And mm -hmm. you know, I, I talk the betting angles a lot cause that's what I do right. talk and, and do it. So um, this is one of those situations and it scares me the most is that everybody has now seen Vegas get beat by 40 by a bad Atlanta team, almost lose to the jets and get beat in prime time. And then everybody now has seen Miami rattle off a few games, hang with Kansas city. This is like a, you know, Vegas, stock is at an all time low this season and Absolutely. Miami's is at an all time high. And historically in the NFL, those low stock teams cause a problem for those high stock teams. So couldn't, couldn't agree more. It's just a tough situational game, but yeah, we got to get it done. There's no choice. There's no option here. So. Absolutely. Yep. And I agree. So with that, I guess we'll go ahead and do some house cleaning and get the hell out of here and go ahead and start enjoying our holidays, right? 
So, okay, everybody remember to subscribe to the Fin Addicts Miami Dolphins podcast available where all podcasts are available. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. There's some other ones out there. I used to tell everybody to ask Brian where they are, but you might not hear back from them. So I don't know, dude, go Google it. There's other places to find podcasts. They're all over the place. But if you can't find them, then go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Fin Addicts Network, right? That's the full thing. I don't fucking know. Yeah, yep. If not, you could Google that too, man. Trust me. I search it all the time. <laughs> um, the last, of course, follow us on Twitter, Finn underscore addicts. We love to hear from you guys. Love to interact with you. I think currently our guy Colby is running the account, but a lot of us have access to it. So who knows who you're really talking to, right? Yeah, it could be a, a bot. Is this right? Sounds like this feels like one of those PSAs from the, the do, you, do you know who do you your know? kids are talking to? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It could, be, it could be this guy. Exactly. You look yeah. kind of suspicious, sir. <laughs> I do look suspicious. I do not talk to children online, though. So no, no worries there. Thank you. Thank goodness, because you know Nick Hansen now. Or Chris Hansen, Chris Hansen, that's Hansen, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a, he's doing a YouTube show now. Oh, they're back! I man, yeah. I like that. I Me like that. For, I, I used to love that show for multiple reasons. Obviously, for yeah. the number one being get those pervs off the street for that's sure. Right. But it, it was highly very good entertainment. The dude's good at what he does, and yeah, <laughs> I just love the way he he talks to people. The the way he asks them questions, it is freaking bro. Just, just when when you're just admit you were caught and be they're like, I never said that. Oh no, no I, they're dude, like you're yeah. The funniest thing my wife and I have noticed about the guys that get caught on the on those shows is they all say the same thing. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Like oh well, I wasn't gonna meet no girl. Uh, uh yeah. yeah, I guess I was gonna meet her. I don't know how old she was. Uh, I was just trying to find out why she's trying to meet dudes online. You know, I, I wasn't she just nothing. needed a friend. I was gonna come over and <laughs> hang out. She needed a friend, and he's like, oh, so you're telling me you're not strange tamer sixty nine. And they're like, they're like, no, that's not me. I didn't say that. No. Ooh, so, no yeah, it, not. yeah, no. Yeah. It's amazing. So yeah. If you guys, if you need more entertainment after this, go check that out. He is on YouTube. Chris Hansen. Love that dude. Uh, I don't know if he's just doing it for money right now, but it's very possible because I heard he was in some financial trouble recently, but that's another thing, another story for another oh, day. Yeah. And also you could disregard all of the crap I was just saying previously. If you go to our website, www.finaddictsnetwork.com. I think somebody's still updating it. I don't fucking know, but uh, <laughs> definitely worth looking into. Maybe you guys can tell me, go on the website, tell me if it's updated, come back to me, hit me on Twitter at seriously Savak, and maybe we'll discuss it or, you know, I don't know, have a good laugh about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Either way. That'll do it for us. And for, from everybody here at the Fanatics Network, specifically this podcast and, of course, our other podcasts, I feel weird calling them sister podcasts considering, like, it's all dudes. But Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, our sister shows. That's, what, that's the term. Exactly. Yeah. So from all of us at the Fanatics Network, we want to wish you guys a very Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Uh, there's probably some more out there. And, of course, a Happy New Year all of us if we don't get to talk to you before then absolutely everybody yeah. be safe enjoy yourselves get some yes. family time in right and from all of us again for me i'm savak and this is handsome jimmy let's go out sure. on our fins up fins ah. up let's go